I love stories like that. Phenomenal. And I know there's lots of stories like that probably all over our church, but it's just great to hear it again. And it's going to tie into what we're talking about here in the next few minutes, but I am so glad that you've joined us on this holiday weekend for the final week of Nah, I'm Good, a series where we've been talking about the things that God has called all of us to individually as his followers and as an organization, as a local church, that often we stiff arm and we're like, nah, I know, but nah, I'm good, not me. And so we're going to talk about another one of those as we wrap up this series this week. So we're glad that all of you have joined us. And if you are at the mountains or at the lake or at the beach, we hate, love you, and we're glad you're joining us from there. Uh, back in the old days, when the summit first got started, we would do this thing where we gathered groups of people together uh, to kind of cast vision for who we are as a church and what it's all about, and to give us an opportunity to uh, speak to them and, and them to ask questions and that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of something we would do because we were growing so quickly, so fast. Uh, and it was just a way for us to kind of keep up. And in those environments, I would often ask this question of people. I would ask them how they found out about the summit. And I would ask for, you know, a show of hands kind of thing. And never fails. Every time I got to the point where I said, how many of you are here at the summit because somebody invited you? Because somebody told you about it? 75%, give or take just a little bit, it's about 75% of people would raise their hands. And still, to this day, when I'm talking to a group of people and I ask that question, how'd you find out about the summit? About 75% of people would say, yeah, that's me. Uh, somebody who, I have a friend that attends and they invited me. Or you know what? I have a neighbor that didn't even go to church, much less the summit. They just said, you know what? I've heard messed up people like you should go to the summit. <laughs> so I'm here. And so we're, <laughs> 75%, that's phenomenal. And here's the deal. Even if you're not in the 75%, the truth is there's somebody in your life that God has used to get you to where you are. So I want to make a statement right up front that I believe is true for every single one of us, and it's followed by a question. It's a convicting question, but let's wrestle with this. The truth is we're all here because of them. Whether you were invited, you're one of the 75% that was invited by somebody else, or there's somebody in your life that God has used to instrumentally get you to this place where you are in your life spiritually. We are all here because of a them. And I don't know who your them is, but everybody has a them. We're all here because of them. The question is, who will be here because of you? Who's going to be here because of you? And I know, I know that puts you on the spot. I, I get that. And I understand some of you are here for the very first time today because somebody invited you. This is a great day for you to be introduced to the summit. You're going to kind of get a, a peek behind the curtain on you know, what motivates us to do what we do and what God has called us to. We're so glad you're here. And maybe you're some of the 75% who, you know, whose life has been changed by God through what you've experienced here at the summit. And we're so glad. But whatever the, whatever the situation is, we're all here. Because of them. Who will be here because of you? And it's easy to hear that and go, yeah, you're right. I shoulda, woulda, I wish I coulda, all that kind of stuff. Um, but nah, I don't think that fits into my life right now. I'm good. I'm good. I really, I really am good. Here's what you need to know. That inviting others, if you're a follower of Jesus, inviting others to join you in your journey with Jesus is just a natural part of what it means 
to follow Jesus. There's nothing weird about it. There's nothing odd about it. There's nothing, I'm not sure if, if I should do that. I'm not sure if that's for me. I'm not sure if that's going to work. No, no, no. If you're a follower of Jesus, then it's just natural as a follower of Jesus to invite others to journey with you as you follow Jesus and share his love. In other words, this word of mouth thing has been the, the primary way that the message of Jesus has spread. This word of mouth mode is kind of the primary mode where people have heard about Jesus and what God is doing in the world. Somebody tells somebody who tells somebody who tells somebody who told somebody who tells somebody. And because they heard it from them, they've experienced that now they're telling somebody who will eventually tell somebody and on and on and on it goes. And somebody somewhere told you. And now you're here. It's, it's how it all got started. And it's actually still the best way. You, you can begin to pick this up when, when Jesus, in his final words to his followers, right before he left heaven, I mean, left earth and went back to heaven, he said this. And, and we saw this before at the beginning of the series, but I want to highlight a different part of it. He said to his followers, you will be my witnesses, which means you're going to be telling people about me everywhere. And he told them to start locally right where they were in their own backyard in Jerusalem. And then you can spread out a little bit further and go to Judea and then Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you're my witnesses, which means you're going to be telling people about me everywhere. Now, I know you might, you might be thinking, well, that's not me. That was them. No, 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 no. He was talking to his followers. So I believe if you and I would have been living in the first century as followers of Jesus, it, there's a strong chance we would have been there in the audience that day when Jesus looked to everybody who followed him and said, you will be my witnesses. So he is telling me, he is telling you, he is telling us at the Summit Church, you will be my witnesses. That's still the plan, which means you're telling people about me everywhere. The mission of Jesus is best spread, word of mouth. Someone who tells somebody, who tells somebody, who tells somebody, who tells somebody. Uh, this is how Jesus' disciples, a lot of them, found, found themselves following Jesus. I'm talking about his, his big 12, right? The first 12, the big guys. Yeah. Andrew told Peter. That's how Peter found out who Jesus was, that Jesus was around. Is that Andrew came to Peter and says, hey, Peter, I think, we found, I think we found the Messiah. There's this guy named Jesus. And Peter, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. No, no, you, you got to come see this guy. You got to come see this guy because I think he's the one. And sure enough, Peter found Jesus, just like Andrew said, and followed Jesus, and Andrew brought him. Philip, another one of Jesus' disciples, brought Nathaniel, another one of Jesus' disciples. He, came, he comes to Nathaniel and says, Nathaniel, man, I think we found the Messiah. I think this is the guy. I know that's hard to believe. In our time, yes, they've been telling us about him for centuries. I mean, ancestors, our ancestors have been telling us that so one day he's coming. I think he's here. In our lifetime, believe it or not, and Nathaniel, being a realist, which, you know, I'm kind of a realist. Realist is just a nice word for pessimist. <laughs> Nathaniel's going, okay, well, tell me a little bit more. He's like, well, he's from Nazareth. Nathaniel's like, well, wait a second. I've been to Nazareth. Can any Messiah, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Are you sure? Nazareth? Are you sure? Because I've been there. I'll be vacation there. We're not going back. And it's just like, no, it's just a, just a normal place. Yeah, sure enough. Somebody told somebody. Andrew told Peter. Philip told Nathaniel. And on and on and on and on it goes. It's always kind of been the way it works. A beautiful picture of this is Jesus' conversation with a woman in Samaria. 
And John records this in John chapter 4. It's a fascinating story. I'm just going to hit the highlights. Jesus goes to Samaria, which is odd for a Jewish person to do because Jewish people didn't go to Samaria. Samaritans avoided Jews. Jews avoided Samaritans. There's a lot of bad blood there. And so the too big of a story just suffice it to say it was odd that he was in Samaria. And even odder that he was talking to a woman. Women were devalued in the first century and... And, and seen as less than in the first century, which, by the way, Jesus did more than any other leader in the world's history to elevate the status of women to that of men. Everybody's on the same playing field. There is no hierarchy of worth and value. A lot of people don't know that about Jesus, but it's true. So Jesus is in Samaria talking to a woman. And so his disciples saw him going, oh, he's going to get in trouble. And we're going to get in trouble. Fantastic conversation. In the conversation between Jesus and this woman, Samaria, Jesus, in no uncertain terms, revealed to her that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who would soon die for the sins of the world. Well, she was blown away because she was dealing with some things personally in her life, and Jesus kind of said, I know what you're going through, I know what's up with you, and all that. And she was like, oh, I feel so exposed. I feel he can see right through to my heart. He knows, he knows me, and she flips out. And with excitement and goes all throughout the village saying, you got to come see this man. You got to come see this man. You got to come meet this guy named Jesus. And watch what happens. As she was telling everybody, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because the woman said. Because the woman said. Because she opened her mouth and said, you got to come check this out. You got to experience what I've just experienced. You got to meet who I just met. And watch what happened. As a result... Then they said to the woman, now we believe. You told us we came, now we believe. Our lives have been changed. Our lives have been transformed, not just because you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. And this wasn't some super Christian woman. This lady had issues. He had a, she had a lot to process, and she was still in process, yet she just simply shared her experiences. And she told somebody, and God used them and changed, used her to change their life. It's still, this word of mouth, someone, someone telling someone is still the most effective way. It's just like when you go to a restaurant. It's just like when you go to a restaurant that, that you're so excited about. You know, the kind that you take pictures with your phone, you know, look at this. Yes, it's a burger. No, but you don't get it. I can't taste the burger by looking at the picture. It looks like every other burger. But you're like so excited about it and you're, you know, texting your friends. you got to come eat here. Or a vacation. you got to go vacation here. If you're ever in this area, you got to do this. you got to come here. you got to do this. And you got to eat this burger. And so it's just word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth when you're excited about something. So it's only natural for someone who follows Jesus to do that very same thing as you follow Jesus, inviting others to follow him with you. There's all kinds of ways to do this. You can use technology, social media, or good old-fashioned face-to-face. And they trust you. They'll take your word for it. As you just say, you ought to experience what I've experienced. Now, there's many reasons why we don't do this. And again, we're in a series called Nah, I'm Good. There's many reasons why. We would look at inviting someone to church or sharing with them your story, how God has done great things in your life and go, nah, I know I probably should and it'd be nice if I could, but you don't understand. I'm kind of an introvert. I kind of like to keep to myself, blah, 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 blah. I get it. I'm a borderline introvert. It may surprise you, right? I, I just, I don't, I don't seek out ways to go hang out with bunches of people. Um, yeah, yeah, surprise. And, and so, you know, 
this, this, you see a different part of me on, on Sundays, but I, I, I totally understand that. I totally understand that. The whole introverted, I'm not quite so sure if I want to instigate a conversation. I talk to people enough as it is all the time. So I, I want to just kind of put some things up on the screen in this next slide that I think, that I think you may identify with that, that keep us from, from, from doing this. Right? It could be right up front, and I don't think this is a problem here. I hope it's not a problem here, but it could be you're too embarrassed to invite somebody to church. <laughs> like, I don't want to invite them to church. I don't want them to see where I go to church. I don't want them to experience what I experience because it's bad. Right? I grew up in a church like that. I didn't want to invite my friends to church. Not, and nothing against those people. It's just that I, I, I think it would freak them out. I think it would have turned them off to God. I think it would have turned them away from Jesus, not to Jesus, because the churches I grew up in were, were not there for anybody from the outside. It was all geared for insiders. Everything was insider-focused, the lingo, the, the songs, the music, everything. Everything was geared for the people that were there to like it, and they liked it because it was there, and it was there because they liked it. They didn't want to change anything. Because we got it the way we liked it, and it's been this way for 75 years, and if you don't like it, you don't have to come. Right, one of those things. And so, I mean, I'm not going to invite my friends to that. Maybe, maybe that would turn them away. But I don't think that's the problem here. I hope it's not a problem here. If it is, don't tell me. No, actually, if it is, tell me. Because we're going to fix that. Because we don't want it to be that way. We, we, we try to do things with excellence here at the summit. Uh, staff and volunteers, we do things with excellence so that it's a place we have designed with your first-time guest in mind, which means it's designed with you in mind as well because you were once a first-time guest. That, that's so very important to us. One of the greatest compliments we can get as a church is when someone comes up to, up, comes up to us and says something like, hey, you know what? Um, this is the first church I've ever been to where I could actually invite my friends. This is actually the first church I've ever been to where I want to invite my friends. And that, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Walt Disney said, Walt Disney said this, and I don't know when he said this. It's fantastic. I, I wrote it down and I just want to share it with you. And I want you to think about Disney. If you've ever been to Disney World, Disneyland, or any of the theme parks, I want you to think about your experience when you hear these words. This is what Walt Disney said. You need to do what you do so well that people will want to see it again and bring their friends. Did he do it? Absolutely he did. Do what you do so well. Whatever it is you do, do what you do so well that people will want to see it again and bring their friends. Now, that's with theme parks. Imagine we have the message of Jesus Christ. Now, you can have a life-changing experience at Disney, but going to Disney will not literally change your life. The message of Jesus can literally change your life. And since we have the most important thing to say in the world, why not say it with such excellence and such excitement and such conviction and do it so well that people want to hear it again. I want to see it again. I want to experience it again. And I'm bringing my neighbor. And I'm bringing the guy I work with down at the office. And I'm going to bring him. I'm going to bring her. I'm going to bring them. I want to see it again. I want to bring my friends. You see, that... We don't want anyone to be embarrassed. I don't think it's a problem here, but you need to know. If that's, if that's you, we design what we do here for you to not have that be an issue. Secondly, it's personal. I don't invite people to church. I don't, I don't get up in people's spiritual business because that's personal. That's personal. Uh, it's none of my business, what they do. That's just between them and God. And I'll, Hold on just a second. I don't know who started that mess. I don't know where that came from. I don't know who along the way in Christian world 
Started this whole thing, well, that's just between me and God. That's just between me and God. That's just between them and God. But that's nowhere in the scriptures. Nowhere, 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 nowhere. Old Testament, New Testament, you're, gonna find, you're not going to find that teaching. I don't know where we got that. It's none of your business. That's just between me and God. No, you're confusing two words. They both start with P, but you're confusing two words. You're confusing the word personal and the word private. Yes, your spiritual life is personal, but it's not private. It's never private because we live our lives out loud. And Jesus said, our lives are a reflection of our hearts. So what's in here that's private eventually is going to come out anyway. So it's personal, yes, but it's never private. We live our lives out loud. So this whole thing of, well, I can't have a conversation with them and that's none of their business and that's none of my business, that's just a line that drives people to apathy. You don't, you don't keep the most incredible thing that's ever happened to you in your life to yourself, right? Can you imagine, you know, the day after your wedding, saying, yes, we're married, I love you, and spend the rest of my life with you, but I'm not gonna tell anybody we're married, okay? Just gonna keep you to myself. It's nobody else's business that we're married. No, she leave your butt. I'm just telling you right there, that ain't happening. Right? I mean, okay, we're excited about something. We live our lives out loud. So none of this, uh, it's personal. No, no, it's personal, but it's not private. Maybe people will see you differently, and that concerns you. If I invite people to church, if I tell them about my relationship with God, if I invite them to experience this, they're going to see me differently, right? Because like right now, I kind of keep this all on the down low. And if I say, hey, why don't you go to church? It's going to be like, you go to church? Seriously, you go to church? Hey, Bill, he goes to church. <laughs> no, he, she goes to church. And if they know I go to church, they may expect me to live differently. <gasps> and what would be so wrong with that? Yeah, they may see you differently. I get it. I get it. But see, that's just kind of part of what it's all about. We live our lives out loud anyway. Or maybe it's just because you forget. You're so busy, you forget, you forget, you forget. You, you, know, you, you love church, you love following Jesus and all that, but you're so busy doing it. You're so busy going through the motions of it. You're so busy and you've got your schedule and all that and you give and you serve and you're in a group and all this kind of stuff. And so you're busy with it, but you forget a basic tenet of it is welcoming others to join you in it. It's very natural. It's only natural for a follower of Jesus to invite others to follow Jesus with them. It's a natural part of what it means. And we're going to give you some tools to address that in just a few minutes. But like we have in all of the weeks of this series, we've actually uh, unpacked this a little bit. So what if you say, no, nah, I'm good? What if because you're embarrassed or it's personal or they'll see you differently or you forget? What if you just don't? What if you don't? What happens if you don't invite people? First of all, Someone will miss out. Someone will miss out on what you've experienced here at the summit and what God has done in your life because of that. And someone may miss out on coming to know Jesus personally because you didn't tell them, because you didn't invite them. You say, well, that's a lot of pressure. You can see it that way or you can see it as an opportunity. Someone you know won't know what you know. And that's important. So there's somebody you know who won't know, who won't come to know who you know and come to know what you know if you don't invite them, if you don't tell them. Now, now listen, let me clarify. I, I love this church. I am, I am so 
excited about this church and I love the volunteers and I love this place and I love what we experience here. But here's the deal. It's not about the summit. It's not about the summit. This is about Jesus. And the reason the summit matters is because Jesus matters more. And the reason we invite people to the summit is not because of the summit. We invite people to this church because we want to introduce them to Jesus. We are a means to an end. And the end is to receive and share the love of our Savior, Jesus. And if you don't, if you're not telling people, if you don't invite them, find that into your rhythm somehow, some way, shape, or form, someone you know won't know, someone will miss out. And you will also begin to lose sight of the mission. It will happen over time. The mission of Jesus. You'll miss out on it. You'll, you'll begin to lose sight of it. You'll begin, it'll become to get blurry. It'll become to get covered up. And you'll begin to turn in. Remember I described when I was growing up, I was in churches that they were basic, basically all about the people that were there. We turned in. It was just all about us and what we liked and what we want and, and how we liked it and how we wanted it and all that kind of stuff. That inevitably will happen in every church if we lose sight of the mission. And one of the ways to keep you from losing sight of the mission is to keep inviting, keep, keep sharing, keep inviting to other people. Because if you don't, eventually you're going to turn in. You remember when you were new to the summit? Do you remember what those first, the first visit was or, or those first few visits, you know, just kind of checking it out? Do you remember that? you remember what it was like? How weird it was, you know? Wow, this is weird. And, and how odd it was that you had a good time and you laughed and you enjoyed it and you kind of felt guilty. I'm not supposed to have fun at church. I had fun at church. What's wrong? Is this legal? Does God know about this? Is this okay? Right? Is it, is it supposed to be this way? I thought it was supposed to be serious and, and, you know, just stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down and leave and go, what was that? No, 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 no. Yeah. Do you remember that? You remember you're we so excited. You actually invited people. You would say, hey, you got to come experience this with me. I don't know. This is it's just interesting. It's different. And, and I liked it. It's exciting. And I'm learning. And I can understand what they say. And it's engaging. And it pulls me in. And I want to be a part of it. And I don't know why. But you got to come experience this with me. You remember that? It was just kind of natural to tell your friends and neighbors. And now you've been here for a while. You've been here for a while. And it's human nature. Anything over, over time, if you don't keep reminding yourself what it's all about, bless you. If you don't remind yourself what it's about, it'll just kind of become normal and it loses its pizzazz, right? Same thing happens in a marriage if you don't keep it fresh. Happens in a family if you don't remind yourself that you're there to love each other. It happens in a job. It can happen any, to any of the important things in life. Here's the deal. The mission of the summit hasn't changed. We have. We're still outside focused. We're still go and share and love and give and serve. We're still outside focused. And I'll be honest with you. Listen very carefully. And I don't want to offend you. I don't want to upset anybody. I'm not here to, you know, I, I just don't. I'm trying to be really nice, but I'm going to be really honest with you. I care about every single one of you to the best of my ability to be able to care, especially to those of you I haven't met yet. And I wish I could meet all of you. And I'm so glad you're here. And I pray for you. Some of you by name, the ones I know, and, and others of you just in general. But there is a group of people that has my attention just a little bit more than you do, that has my preoccupation just a little bit more than you do, that I find my heart breaking for just a little bit more than just for you guys. And it's your friends and neighbors and family 
that are not here, who've never heard, who don't know, who haven't received the love of Jesus, who don't know what it means to share the love of Jesus, because who's speaking for them if we don't, right? And I think if you're honest, you would agree with me and say, yeah, me too, me too, me too. Yeah, you begin to lose sight of the mission if you're not inviting. Oh, there's one more part of this I, I just want to make sure I, I mention before we move on. This is interesting. When you're inviting people on a regular basis and they show up with you, you see church differently. You see the mission and what's most important. You become suddenly aware of things that you were not aware of before, before you brought your guest as a first-time guest bringer. You're, you're seeing, okay, you got your guest with you. Now you suddenly care about things that really matter that you weren't that concerned about before they showed up. Now you're trying to figure out what door do I take them through? I want to find the happiest greeter. Who's the happiest greeter? They're not smiling. I'm not going there. They're smiling. They're smiling. I'm going to take them over here. This is what's going on in your mind. I want them to have a great experience. I want them to be welcomed. You, you suddenly hope. Man, I hope the music's good. I hope everything's going. I mean, I hope, that, I hope it's engaging. I hope Jonathan doesn't get up there and screw up. You know, I, hope he, I hope he brings his A game. I mean, I've had people come up to me and tell me that. Now listen, you know, I got my guest here, man. Don't mess this up. <laughs> Great. I love that. I love that. Bring it. Right? I mean, that, that's why you begin to see things differently. It'll change the way you see what matters most. And one more thing. If you don't invite others, here's the deal. You're going to miss out. We will miss out individually. You and I will miss out on some amazing things. Some of the things we heard about and saw in the video right before I came out on stage. The blessings and the joy of being involved in helping people take their next steps to receive and share the love of Jesus. Now, I can't change people's lives and you can't change people's lives. It's not about me. It's not about you. But here's the deal. It's cool to see when God uses you and me to transform other people's lives. When he uses us and lets us be a part of the process, lets us be a part of the journey. We just have a small part. He's the one that does all the work of changing people, but we can help point them in the right direction. It's like, it's like I've heard it said before that we can't make people fall in love with Jesus. We can just set up the date, right? We can just say, hey, you, 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 you guys all spend some time together. And sure enough, God does amazing things that you and I will miss out on when and if we don't. Share that with other people. You want to grow spiritually? You want to go to the next level spiritually? Start sharing with other people. You'll be surprised what happens. Okay? Here's the deal. Let me give you some really practical ways that you can do this. If you're like, yeah, I'm ready. Here's some ideas. You might want to take a picture of it just so that you can have it to refer back to. There's always the simple invite. Hey, would you come to church with me? Hey, would you join me in this experience? The simple invite, right? Whether, whether you use technology or not, it's face-to-face. Maybe you'll use social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Tell people, you know, hey, this has changed my life. This has been so helpful to me, or I'm excited about this. I think it would help you too. Won't you come with me? You know, DM somebody, direct message somebody. Look at our events or series, special event we're having, or a series we're getting ready to start, like the one we're going to start next week, which I'll tell you about in a moment. That's always, maybe that is an event or a series you know specifically is going to address something in somebody's life that you care about. You're like, man, I know you're going through this. We're going to talk about that. You ought to come with me. Maybe that'll help. Our children and student ministries, you're not the only one who wants your kids to have great character and integrity and to discover God's great purpose for their lives. You're not the only ones. You have friends 
who may not care about church themselves, but they care about it for their kids. You'd be surprised how many times I hear people meet people for the first time, young families, young couples. And the reason they're here at church for the first time is it's like, yeah, we've got a baby now. And so we suddenly care more about this. That's great. There's nothing like the responsibility of parenthood to help you focus in on the things that really, really matter in life because you're now caring for someone else and we want to get our kids to experience these kinds of things because we know it's so important. And so children's ministry, student ministry, hey, listen, you're not the only ones who are worried about your teenagers. You're not the only ones that are struggling through this adolescence thing. And invite your friends that have teenagers. And, 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 and teenagers, invite your friends. I mean, listen, you're not the only one. And so maybe our children's student ministries is a great way to do that. Our online church services. Let me, let me finish with that. That's just, just huge. Our online church services are a great tool. It's a tool. And use it. And some of you are experiencing that right now. I mean, that, that's amazing that we have technology in, in this world that allows us to be able to do this. And you can listen and, and watch from online. But here's the cool thing. We're learning is that online church is actually becoming the new front door for first-time guests. And what I mean by that is when they actually show up at a physical location, chances are the majority of them have watched online just to make sure it was safe. And we weren't weird. Okay? We weren't going to do anything freaky. They were crazy, even more than what we normally do. And we have met people that have shown up in person for the first time, first time, after watching online for six months. And they're like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Use that to your advantage. If you've got a friend, you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't like big crowds. I don't know. Okay, fine, check it out online first. Use it as a tool. Fantastic way. Because remember, remember, remember the quote I've shared with you every week in this series? I'm gonna share it with you one more time. Since this is the final week in the series, I won't bug you with it anymore. This is the last time I'll show you. But I, I love this because it, it still applies. My friend, Trevor, who pastors a church in Kentucky, I heard him say this. This is just so good. He said, we're not praying for a move of God. We're not praying and hoping God does something cool. It's better than that. We are the move of God. We are the cool thing that God is doing. We are the great thing. People, we are it. We just need to move. We just need to get going. And when you invite someone, you move and God moves. You're a part of the process. You make a move and when you make a move, God is moving. It's just so powerful to see how all that happens. You know, 75% of you know that. You know that. Here's what you may not know, though. There's probably somebody somewhere in your life that, goes, that knows you go to church that is wondering why you've never invited them. And they, and they would attend with you. And they're just kind of wondering, huh, maybe they have never said anything to me because they know I don't, I don't belong in church. Or maybe... What I've done is too bad. Or maybe I'm not good enough. Or maybe my, bad, my past is too bad enough. Maybe they're ashamed to call me their friend. Or maybe, maybe they haven't invited me because I don't belong there. You might be surprised. Who would say yes and who is waiting for you to ask them so that they can say yes? I will come experience that with you. I thought you would never ask. Yeah, and sometimes it may take more than once. It's not a box to check. I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, fine, I'll send down a memo. Anybody, y'all, everyone go to church, hit me up. All right, I did it. No, 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 it's not a box to check. This is a way of life, right? And pay attention. Pay attention 
to what goes on in people's lives and the moments that present themselves for you to naturally just invite somebody in a moment where they may need. Because truth is, the 75% of you that were invited by somebody else, you were probably invited at a pivotal time in your life. I hear it all the time. I can remember when I was going through my divorce and somebody invited me to church and my heart was broken and I was empty and I was lonely and they fill in the blank of the life-changing experience. I remember when I got that cancer diagnosis, I didn't know what I was gonna do. My friend invited me to church because they thought it might help and the rest is history. I remember when I lost my job. I remember when we couldn't pay our bills. I remember when I was going through depression and anxiety and I was just questioning whether or not I wanted to live anymore. And somebody invited me to church and I was like, well, you know, might as well give it a try. What can I lose? And my life has never been the same. Chances are it was at a pivotal moment in your life when someone introduced you to what you now experience and enjoy. So pay attention to what's going on in the lives of those you care about and those who care about you. Because the truth is, we're all here because of them. Every single one of us. The question is that I want you to wrestle with is who will be here because of you? Who will be here because of us? Now I want to ask you to do something. We're going to pray together, but I'm not going to pray for you that, boy, you need to invite people. We're going to pray differently. We're going to pray for some people together. I'm going to invite you to pray with me for some people. I want you to think in your mind and get a a mental picture of a person. You may have many, you probably have more than one, but just choose one. A picture of someone that you are pretty sure doesn't go to church or or you're pretty sure they're, you know, would be far from God or they're not quite sure or they don't care or they're disinterested or they never give it the time of day. But the picture of someone that you could see yourself inviting. I want you to get a picture of that person in your mind and I want us to pray for them. Now, I don't know who you're thinking about, but you do, so you're going to have to pray for them. And I get a picture in, in my mind of someone. It may be more than one, but at least one. And I want us to pray together for them and that God would open up an opportunity where their minds and hearts would be open to the idea and where we would take advantage of the opportunity. It's not because of a pressure thing. It's not a guilt thing. It's an opportunity thing. Let's pray together for them because it's only natural. It's only natural for followers of Jesus to invite other people to follow Jesus with them. Let's pray. Dear God, we have so much invested into our stories, much more than we could ever imagine. And we are all here because someone had great influence in our lives and and invited us and shared with us and encouraged us and brought us along. We are here because of them. And in our minds right now, we're thinking of someone else. We see their picture. Maybe it's an individual or a family. And we ask for you to help us help them. We're asking you to open their minds and their hearts and may they be receptive to an invitation, an opportunity to come alongside of them and invite them to experience just a taste of what you're doing in our lives. Because it's always been this way. And it's still the most effective way. And I know these people are hurting. I know they're questioning. They may be very antagonistic towards you because of lies that they've believed and things that people have done to them and things that people have, stuff people have told them. 
We don't know all the baggage they're carrying, but we know you love them as much as you love us. So we ask you to help them and to use us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.